As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. This is a real epidemic, if you will, especially with highly achieved, highly successful individuals where you end up assigning your identity to the thing that you get paid really well for, but then there's a loss of purpose, if you will. Best ever listeners, before we jump into today's episode, for all my fix and flippers out there, are your financing costs eating away at your bottom line? And are you looking for a way to increase your overall profits by lowering your loan payments to the bank or maybe your private lender? Well, our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, you know Patch of Land, they've been on the show, representatives of their company have been on the show many times, they've been a sponsor of this show many, many times, they're back for more because they love you and they love working with the best ever listeners and they've got an interesting point of view on interest rates and that is that it's the interest rates that we are quoted shouldn't necessarily be taken at face value because perhaps a higher interest rate could actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan. And they have a white paper on how that is possible and how that can be applied to your fix and flip business to help your bottom line get more profitable and to help you choose the best a lender for your financing needs. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless and they've got a white paper for you and it will walk you through the way to evaluate interest rates in terms in general on your loan so that you truly are getting the best interest rate because there are some tricky things some lenders try to do to um, glaze over the fact that their lower interest rate, quote unquote, is actually higher based on some technical things that they put into it. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless and get that white paper so that you can save money on your fix and flip projects. Patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. Well, first off, I hope you're having a best ever weekend because today is Sunday. We got a special segment called Skill Set Sunday where we're going to talk about a five-minute epic evening ritual that will help us succeed at a higher level. Who's going to talk to us about that? Well, James Colbert is going to talk to us about that. How are you doing, James? Hey there. Thanks, Joe, for having me on and just great to be here. 
Well, glad to have you on, my friend. And a little bit about James. He has worked for more than two decades in executive and entrepreneurial roles in marketing, real estate, and consulting. He is a best-selling author of Resucceed. And in that book, it reveals the five-minute epic evening ritual, which we're going to talk about on today's show. And he's based in Seattle, Washington. His website, jamescolburn.net. You can go check that out. That's also on the show notes page. So with that being said, James, do you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your focus? Gosh, well, it's kind of a big story that I'll make short. I came out of college at the University of Oregon, met my wife there, and we both started working for the YMCA right out of college. I don't know if you even know what that organization is or have of you course. heard? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I went to team uh, camp. Yeah, YMCA. well, there you go. Yeah, so I did as well. In fact, my wife and I both chose the YMCA because of our childhood experiences and felt like that'd be a great place to contribute. Everything was great with the YMCA until we looked at starting a family. When we started a family, the nonprofit income thing just doesn't quite work out for raising a family and affording all that that takes. So I went into real estate back in the 90s straight away and never left since. So that's kind of the cliff notes. And then a lot happened, obviously, in my world as our market crashed and clarity arrived. And here I am today. We're going to focus our time on this evening ritual I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about the real estate stuff since this is a real estate podcast and all ties together. Evening ritual ties together the real estate investors, but specifically on the real estate front, what'd you do? Tell us a story about what happened and what was the result of what happened. Well, actually the real estate thing ties directly into my five minute epic evening ritual that I speak about in my book, Resucceed. But I'll take you back real quick to one of my best years in real estate. I had sold 120 houses up in the Seattle area, just with an assistant. I had made a considerable amount of money. And I was at our lake house, which we had by design not put a TV out of the lake house. So lots of time to think. It was Christmas Eve, 2006, one of the better years in real estate up in Seattle and most of the country. And I was trying to make my phone ring one more time that year so I could write one more offer. Not because I needed to do another deal that year, but because I simply had forgotten who I was and had kind of assigned all my identity to my success in real estate. And you just so I'm clear, you were an agent, right? I was an agent at Got that it. time, yes. So you're yes. wanting your phone to ring one more time to put an offer on behalf of one of your clients. Yes. Yeah, okay. good clarification. Cool. So I had the start shirt in the car. I wanted to get to work. And the phone didn't ring. But selling 120 houses that year, I was used to the phone ringing about every three days. So I went and left the house right then at 8.30 at night, went down to Costco and bought a TV and a DVD and brought it back up to the house. My wife said, well, I, th I thought we weren't going to have a TV here at the house. I said, well, we weren't until I needed to get my mind off the fact that I wasn't writing another offer. Well, that was kind of the beginning of a process that I started then and kind of clarified over the next few years until obviously the market quickly crashed thereafter. And there was certainly a lot less deals to do. And I had a lot of time on my hands. I ended up going back to grad school. And then when I came into grad school, instead of writing a thesis, I wrote this book called Resucceed, which was all my experience on assigning my identity to all the wrong things, but also realizing that I can have even more success or what I call unlimited success as I get more clarity around who I am and what I bring. So the five-minute epic evening ritual birthed out of that. 
but the five minute epic eating ritual is not a ritual for those looking to not have success, but rather to have even more success in their business and in their investments, but also come out of it feeling whole, not wondering on Christmas Eve, for example, where your next deal is going to come from. Okay, good segue to dive right in. So what is the five minute epic evening ritual? Well, what I realized is that really successful, highly achieved individuals over time basically stop asking great questions. Instead, all we spend our time doing is trying to come up with answers. So we try to engineer answers. We're the answer king, if you will. And what we do is we ask a lot less great questions. As achievers, we ask questions, but typically they're questions we know how to answer. What I challenge is that our questions about the things that we don't have the answer to is really where it's all at. So as we become interested, if you will, not interesting for a moment, things start to take shape in our lives. So the five-minute epic evening ritual is all about the value of asking great questions, and then I've created a framework for doing that every evening just five minutes before you go to sleep. Okay. Please continue. Well, I hired a coach who was a best-selling author on Amazon, one of six. Best-selling authors, authors on Amazon. One of six best-selling authors on Amazon. Uh, on, on There's Amazon. only six best-selling authors on at, Amazon? At that time, he was one of the top six. Okay. So, In a certain category or just in all of Amazon books? It ended up being in all of Amazon self-published books. Okay. This gentleman was one of six of the top. So I hired this guy to help me kind of clarify my book. And at one point, he challenged me, this is great. Yeah, we end up becoming enamored by our success. We stop asking great questions. But after you've explained this whole thing to me, I'm kind of wondering, what do I do about it? There's no solution. And he said, well, the challenge I have for you is to give people a solution out of this. Because this is a real epidemic, if you will, especially with highly achieved, highly successful individuals, where you end up assigning your identity to the thing that you get paid really well for, but then... There's a loss of purpose, if you will. But yet at one point in our life, and I mean, for some, it's midlife crisis. For others, it's a change in their lifestyle or even their income that promotes this whole need for purpose. The challenge is giving people something that they can constructively do to lift out of that. Mm -hmm. He said, is there something you do? Well, there is. And that was that years ago, my kids would lay in our bed and practice their flashcards for spelling words. And one of my kids left a pile of three by five cards on my nightstand. Mm -hmm. And typically in the evening, up until that point, I would come up to my room and right before bed, I would actually go through my to-do list, which at that time ended up being about 80 items at a time. It was a changing list of around 80 items. And I kind of go through my to-do list and circle kind of some key things that I wanted to do the next day and refer to my calendar. And that's how I would go to sleep. But my to-do list wasn't up there that day, but these three by five cards were on my nightstand. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if instead of cluttering my mind with all these things that I need to do tomorrow, what if instead on this three by five card, I just wrote three things to focus on tomorrow. And then I thought, well, actually, it'd be interesting to put myself to bed, not by writing three directives down, but instead asking three great questions. Hmm. So all I did is I just took this three by five card and on one side, I wrote down three questions that I didn't know the answer to yet, but I was really curious. 
things that, and I've got examples of these questions, but they're different for everyone really, but just things that I didn't have clarity around or areas that I needed to focus on or opportunities that I had yet to kind of cash in on and writing those things down and then letting the creative subconscious go to work while I was asleep and also access to what I call the miraculous. So that is how the five-minute epic evening ritual started. Yeah, I'm buying what you're selling on writing down some questions and then thinking about it and then letting the subconscious just kind of marinate overnight. The challenge, and I'm sure you've come across this question often, the challenge I have with this is last night, for example, I went to bed around, I don't know, 11, 11.30. I was still wide awake at 1 a.m., thoughts racing through my head. I was trying to read a book, but after I got done reading the book, I still couldn't fall asleep. And my concern is that if I write down three questions that I don't have the answer to that are thought-provoking, as you've described, it's going to keep me up until the morning. I think that's fair. But one of the reasons why you're staying up, and it's kind of a, a typical situation, is that you're thinking about things that you want to do or have not yet done, rather than surrendering to the fact that you don't have the answers. You're actually staying up because you think you need to make the answers arrive. Kind of like this is working the sleep on it muscle. And the difference between me and perhaps you at this point is that I'm working the sleep on it muscle seven days a week. So as that improves and as you don't have to arrive at the answers, that it's not all about you coming up with them, then all of a sudden you are resetting how you go to sleep and how you actually are excited to let that creative subconscious and the miraculous show up in those answers rather than you having to do all the heavy lifting. Because when you're asleep, you actually access different areas of your brain to start reasoning through things, not by kind of past experience, but rather by very, very creative, far-reaching out-of-the-box, if you will, approaches that you had, would never have thought of when you're awake. So for me, it's surrendering, I guess, to that possibility while I'm sleeping. And I speak a little bit in this book about how initially when I talk about this, there's a little bit of woo-woo, like, oh yeah, right. Yep. And I totally get that. But if you think about it, everyone you meet, or most people that you meet that are highly achieved or highly successful are the answer king. If you ask a question, they'll start answering your question halfway through asking it. You just pride yourself, if you will, on coming up with the answers as quick as you possibly can. And what I challenge is that it's actually asking the questions that you don't have the answer to and then waiting expectantly for that answer to arrive. That's when the genius happens. Can you give us some examples of questions? Well, I broke it down into three what I call re's. So the book's called Re-Succeed. So there's reassess questions, re-engage questions, and then reaffirm questions. So I'll give you one example from each of those sections. But just so your listeners know and, and you know, there's three re-questions. So reassess, re-engage, and reaffirm. And in each of those sections, there's five chapters on the different types of questions. Mm -hmm. So on reassess, for example, one of the things I realized is that everyone's constantly, including me with my to-do list the evening before the next day, I would constantly be kind of kicking my butt into working out. And what I realized is what I really want the older I get is more energy. 
So one of my main questions in the reassess category is how can I manage my energy better tomorrow? Specific actionable question around what would give me more energy? Because one of the things is if I'm going to achieve or I'm going to be successful or if I'm going to have the tenacity to stick through a project or the tolerance to deal with certain people in that certain negotiation or to kind of have the brain power, if you will, to kind of reason through the opportunity. I have to manage my energy. And so one of my big questions is how do I manage my energy? Which, by the way, managing your energy might include working out. But what I realized is instead we write down workout tomorrow or do 30 minutes cardio tomorrow. But that's a statement that's set up to rebel against. Because especially for those who work for themselves, we think, hey, this is great. We work for ourselves, but we just rebel against ourselves just as much as a boss. So what I do is I ask a managing your energy question every single day as I'm going to sleep. How tomorrow can I manage my energy better to have the stamina to deal with this situation by two o'clock? Do you have a notebook by your bedstand? Because man, if I were to ask myself that question right before I went to bed and I came up with the answer before I fell asleep, I'd want to write it down and then I could see that keep me up longer. I love your questions around this, but here, this is the point. You're resisting the desire to answer. So you're the classic. You're even the classic. Even if you have the answer, even the, after you, you know, ask because the, the answer you, you see, because that here's the here's the thing I talk, Joe. The thing I talk about in this book is that when you ask a question, if you're a high achieved, highly successful individual, you are already trying to answer it. And by the way, you're answering it with kind of the awake answer. I'm challenging that your amazing answer will come tomorrow. And as you work that kind of sleep on it muscle, you sleep more soundly. You wake up excited. And I actually, I try to wake up one hour before I need to wake up Mm -hmm. so I can actually take a look back at my questions on that three by five card and see what answers have arrived. And the answers that have arrived are oftentimes way different than I ever imagined. Like when I was writing this book, I was trying to figure out when I would have complete and total dead time so that I could finish the book. I kept on asking this question, when can I find complete and total dead time so that I have all the time necessary to finish this book? One morning I woke up and I realized I was asking the wrong question. What I should be asking is, how can I be so overwhelmed with the responsibility of writing another chapter because of the busyness of my life and what that reminds me of. You know what I mean? Kind of like my busy life that I've designed, right? Because I'm a very extremely busy person, right? Why look for dead time? Why not just look for kind of moments of brilliance within my busy time? And all of a sudden, it became not looking for dead time, but became looking for like, oh my gosh, I, I feel responsible to sit down and write another chapter based on what arrived in the busyness of my life. So it was like asking a different question. It's sometimes a lot about languaging and not always about asking specifically something you don't know, but instead asking it differently. Mm-hmm. So on a re-engage question, one of the big things that I realized is that real moments of my life in the last couple of years was just this realization that most of us battle with this desire to be enough. So I have this chapter called Enoughness, which is where I kind of unpack this concept that sometimes our success and our achievement is oftentimes to somehow prove or to enter or get the kind of membership card into the club of enoughness. And what I like to do is ask some questions around enoughness that challenges me to realize that I'm already enough. And in that enoughness, how can I be 
incredibly successful. So it's kind of turning success on its head because a lot of people I meet, they're chasing this whole success thing just to be enough. For example, me at Christmas Eve 2006, I just wanted to sell another house because that was the only way I knew how to be enough that night. We kind of set up these roles and responsibilities. So I was in charge of going out and making the money and she was in charge of kind of keeping the home front going, taking care of the kids, at least at that time. So we had these really traditional roles and I really bought into my role. And so I wasn't enough unless I was writing a deal. What I realized is as we become enough, even if we're not making money or doing the thing that we're heavily rewarded as successful people to do, and even when we're not doing that, we're still enough, all of a sudden we start showing up differently. What's the question that we would ask? I just say, what do I use to make myself feel enough that's unnecessary? Again, everyone has to, I use the word enough because it's meaningful to me. Other people would would say, what component of success have I bought into as a requirement that's not necessary for me to still be successful or whatever it might be? It's a question around what's fueling this desire. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, reaffirm. So one of the big things on reaffirming is celebration. I think a lot of highly successful, highly achieved individuals are worried that when they're jumping for joy, celebrating a success, that the ground beneath will go missing. So when they land, the ground beneath is gone. So there's this fear that I don't want to jinx success by celebrating it. So I challenged to ask questions around celebrations. How in my business plan can I add in celebration to each win throughout next year? Mm, so I actually that's say, a fun one. I actually say business plan. We business plan success. So we business plan like how to achieve and what the metrics are. But we oftentimes forget to write in what the celebration would look like. Mm-hmm. So it's just business planning celebration as well. Or, you know, for that matter, gratitude. I love it. That one out of the three, I think wouldn't keep me awake. The first two, I need to read your book and learn more about how I can position those in my mind so that I'm not trying to come up with the answers. But with the celebration, I, for whatever reason, for me personally, that access is a different part of my mind and one maybe that doesn't ever get accessed. <laughs> well, I, li- I really like that. I like that that jumps at you because that would be all the reaffirming stuff, which is one chapter is called granular gratitude or one chapter is called moments of brilliance. So what I mean by moments of brilliance is we're all designed for a few very specific moments of brilliance while we're here, right? So what has been my moments of brilliance thus far in my career? And just actually asking that question. And on the granular gratitude chapter, instead of just gratitude, I call it granular gratitude because what I realized is that we tend to be grateful for like big stuff like housing and food shelter, you know, that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Instead, what I like to do is find gratitude in the really, really small things that made like huge changes in our life, right? So the gratitude of how I met my wife, which was just completely random, back in college, ended up just being this off chance meeting that obviously has completely changed the direction of my life. And these kids wouldn't even be here, these three kids, if I hadn't met her, that kind of thing. So just kind of really running with those. And that's an interesting thing, how that wouldn't keep you up. Rather, instead, that would actually put you to bed. Mm -hmm. This is a conversation that I believe everyone can benefit from 
participating in and listening to and reading your book. So thank you for being on the show. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you and learn more about what you got going on? Well, your listeners certainly go to Amazon and they can get the book either on Kindle or paperback or audio and, or they can go to jamescolburn.net and they can download a PDF of the five minute epic evening ritual with sample questions and or three free chapters of the book. Outstanding. Well, James, thank you again for being on the show. The five minute epic (laughs) evening ritual. We got to create an acronym for that. (laughs) Um, for my own purposes. No one else, just for me. Uh, It is a way to start asking thought-provoking quality questions because as achievers, what you've recognized is that we tend to seek out the answer and sometimes even when the question hasn't even been fully asked yet. So really just taking a step back, asking three quality questions, sleeping on it. Don't try and answer it until the morning. Don't try and answer until the morning. Just sleep on it and then wake up in the morning and identify what has come up. And sometimes it's not even an answer. Sometimes it's simply a better quality question that could be asked. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Today's sponsor, Patch of Land, has got the document for you that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper. They show you how a higher interest rate can actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan. And conversely, how a lower interest rate could deliver a higher cost to your fix and flip loan. Needless to say, you got to know this stuff to identify the best loan terms. Go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Get this document, patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation Podcast at com.